Well, hey, Harvest, it's Easter. Jesus is risen, and uh, that detail matters. It matters a lot. Uh, for this Easter, I'd like for everybody to turn your Bibles to a very familiar Easter passage, Joshua chapter 4. Uh, maybe not so familiar, huh? Joshua, uh, sixth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. If you don't have a Bible with you, we should be having some people coming around. Flag one of them down. Turn to Joshua chapter 4. That's where we're going to be spending our time because we love God's word. We're continuing our journey through uh, the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua really is ultimately kind of about uh, warriors and warrioresses who are on a journey with God and for God. And uh, in Joshua, it has now been some 40 years since the uh, incredible, miraculous event of the Exodus and God taking his people from slavery uh, out. It's been some 40 years of wandering in the desert. Uh, we see in the beginning of Joshua chapter 1, uh, uh, Moses has died. Uh, God is now passing the leadership baton to Joshua. Uh, and it's time for God's people to enter the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 1, they've prepared their provisions to get ready to enter in. And they're now camped on the east side of the Jordan River. Uh, they're going to cross. We talked last week at the beginning of chapter 4 about the crossing. But just as a reminder, there they are camped on the east side. And all of a sudden, it's the time. And the priests go and they grab the Ark of the Covenant. And they pick it up and, and they head to the Jordan River. They, they come to the Jordan River and they step into the Jordan River. And God's people, some million and a half, two million people, the text tells us, are a half mile back. Just that's so important. Just a half mile back. Why just taking all this in? This is down in a valley area. And, and there they are. They step in the water. And, and all of a sudden, just God just doesn't work. I mean, it's just what a seat to be sitting a half mile back. And watching God clear these waters and do this amazing, beautiful work and see the mighty hand of God. Wow. So then they come and uh, they're in the, the priests with the ark are standing in the middle of the Jordan River on dry ground. And a million and a half people plus walk across the Jordan. How long did that take? million and a half people in the text, as we'll see today as well, emphasizes one more time on dry ground. A people that saw the mighty hand of God. Exited slavery, entering into God's promise. That is the story of Easter applied. Exiting slavery to sin and entering into God's promises. Well, let's pick up in Joshua 4 here. This will relate to Easter, trust me. Let's pick up in verse 15. And let's pay attention because today the details matter. This Easter, I want us to know, friends, the details matter. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to... Uh, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan, and they did. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up uh, from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, 
The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The detail number one, I'm calling this dry feet, dry feet. At verse 18, we see that the soles of the priests were lifted up on dry feet and they stepped on the, the, the dry ground on the, the west side of the Jordan River. And, and then it says the waters of the Jordan returned to their place. And I think a little later here in detail number four, we'll see a little more details that uh, I don't know if this is for sure how it happened, but out of the text, we grab this idea that God was all over this whole thing. And they step out on dry, with dry feet. In other words, the riverbed was not getting wet as they were coming out. I mean, it was dry all the way through and, and the water was not on their feet. It was not on their ankles. It wasn't to their knees. It wasn't to their waist. They like stepped out of the ground. And I think what we see here, again, this is kind of where I'm not fully sure, but we get this idea feel from the text that it's like when they stepped, the water comes back. Uh, they they walk in dry, they stood dry, and they walk out dry. It is a big deal. I mean, think about this. The details of how this comes together. Because in Joshua chapter 3.16, it says, And the water was heaped up far away at Adam. You can see on the screen, there's an arrow there that's showing where the city of Adam was there. And, and then uh, in this, uh, we need to understand that it's very possible that the, the city of Adam was either in sight of their crossing or it was within 10 miles. So let's go to the next slide. You can see the circle. Uh, the crossing took place somewhere in that area. And, and so it's anywhere from... They're a half mile back and watching the priest coming and standing in and, and the waters just are like going on down. And, and then it says that it's heaped up, uh, terminology, it's cut off, it's heaped up at Adam. And, and it's very possible that, uh, that they could have seen the heaping up. Or they could have been a mile or two or three or four or five miles down the Jordan River and they didn't actually see it, but all they saw was dry riverbed. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. The point is, the key thing out of this is they stepped out and had dry feet and God was all over their feet. And they had this opportunity to be able to see God at work and who comes out of a flooded river dry. God's people did. God's people did. I mean, who can do this? Who can do all this stuff? God can. Let's just go to the second detail. And these kind of all come together. The second detail is 10th day, first month. 10th day, first month. Let's look at verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the which month? First month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. So they're across the river. Uh, they're on the west bank of the Jordan. They're near Jericho around what's called the area of Gilgal. And it's the 10th day of the first month. Big deal. I'm sure that was really sweet for them that they noted down, man, God did something on this day. Uh, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Hang a left in your Bibles to Exodus 12. In Exodus chapter 12, we join Moses and Aaron. Uh, Moses and Aaron are um, before Pharaoh. They've delivered the warning of the final plague, the 10th plague 
They've delivered that to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has refused to let the people go. And let me read verses 1 through 7 in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, In the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. Now, a couple of years ago, we went through about uh, half of Exodus and I talked about how essentially what's going on is God is starting a new calendar here. By the way, who starts new calendars? You know, like God can. So he starts a new calendar here and look at this. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the what day? Of this month, which is which month? First month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You take it, uh, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. By the way, that's important because that's going to be coming up next Sunday. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, that's on the 14th day, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintels of the house in which they eat it. This is Passover. Uh, uh, Oh, Passover when? Passover on the 10th day of the first month. When do God's people, for the very first time, put their very first feet into the promised land that God has been promising for over some 700 years? What day does God finally have them do it on? That day. The same day that some 40 years earlier, God had told them, to, that's the day that you pick an unblemished lamb. And you set it aside to sacrifice it on the 14th day. Listen, do do you see how important the details are here? Because not only is this just about a river going and opening up. Not only is this just about a river bed drying out in an instant. Not only is this just about a million and a half, two million people and all their kitty cats and dogs and camels and everything going and walking across and stepping on dry, dry ground. But this is also about doing it on the exact day That's a 40 years ago is the start of the Passover, which essentially is the start of the Exodus. God could have done it on any day he wanted. I mean, God's God. He can pick a day, right? I vote yes. He can do it any day. This is no coincidence. God is so amazing and God is so awesome that he is all the way down to the details. On that day, I'm doing my thing. Sweet glory. Verse 20, detail number three, 12 Jordan stones. Verse 20. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Now, if you're visiting with us today or weren't here last week, we talked about this in the beginning of chapter four, so I won't go through all of that, in fact, uh, and we talked about uh, 12 stones and, and some little things related with that. For those who were here last Sunday, 12 stones. Let, let me uh, bring something up here. It was 12 stones they were going to get. Remember, it wasn't little like dinky. 
small little tiny stones. It was like stones that they carried on their shoulder. 12 stones, not, not 10 stones, not 9 stones, not 20 stones, not 25 stones, but 12 stones. Why 12 stones? Because there's 12 tribes of Israel. Why stones from the Jordan? Why not mountain stones or desert stones or, or, or random stones or their favorite pet rock or uh, their stone that's in their pocket? Why not those? No, no, no. It's Jordan stones because Jordan stones taken from where God did a work. It's not about worshiping the stones, but it's a reminder that these come from where God did a work. And they come over and grab 12 stones and put them in a pile to remember how awesome God is. Twelve stones taken from the river, pulled out by twelve men, representing the twelve tribes, because that's where God worked. And listen, the details tell that God cares about every one of his people. He didn't go grab 11 stones representing 11 out of the 12 or 10 out of the 12. No, or he didn't like get confused and think there were 12 tribes and he actually did 15. No, no, no. He knows his people. In fact, that reminds me of Jesus saying, I know my sheep and I love them. And if I have a hundred and one goes away, I'm going after him. If one goes away, I'm going after her because I love him or her. God knows his sheep and he loves them. And even in this stack of stones, it not only shows that God is awesome, it shows that God is personal. You are no number in a world of billions. God knows his people to the detail. Detail number four, the word until. Never in my life did I think I would use the word until as a point. But look at this. Verse 21 to 23. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan. On what kind of ground? For the Lord your God dried up the waters. Dehydrated H2O. That's interesting. He dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Dry ground. Water dried up. Now, we oftentimes, and understandably so, and we should be, we get kind of stunned and amazed by the fact that God could take this water and just like go, no big deal, guys, got it covered. Flood stage, worst time of the year to ever walk across this. I got it all covered. Wham! Dry. Miracle. But one of the things that we forget in losing the details is that God was not just in the opening. God was in the closing. Because as you go through the details, it's, it's when they step on dry ground. And again, I, I don't quite know. Is it when they, when they stood up that the water all of a sudden is coming behind? Sweet. Or was it when they were walking up and they're 10 or 20 yards on ground that all of a sudden it comes? Or, or was it within an hour? I don't know, but here's the detail. God knew when to let the waters come back. Oh, and by the way, in the feel of the text, I think the feel of the text, it was really quick. And if they could see the waters cut off and held up at Adam, how sweet is that looking? 
I'd be hurrying across. Coming across and then all of a sudden, whammo. Or what if they were a mile down or two miles down or five miles down from Adam and they step up on dry ground and if the water was like immediately coming in, that meant God had to know in advance when they were going to step on ground and when to release it. In fact, before they stepped on the ground, God already said, get her going. I don't know how it happened, but whatever way we look at this, we walk away going, God is awesome in all of this. And it comes out of when we look at the details of it until we passed over and then the water came. By the way, I don't think the water just kind of came like, get your inner tube, this looks really fun. It was flood stage. And God releases the water up at Adam. And I'm telling you, I think that water is just like, oh, wow. And it's like, God is awesome. The details matter. It shows us that God is mighty. It shows us that God is personal. It shows us that God is in the timing and in the details. Oh, and let's look at verse 24, by the way. Because there's two purpose statements out of there. So why is God doing this? Uh, This is what I've been talking about. Uh, First part of it, so that. So that means, in other words, all this happens so that. Here's the purpose. So that all the peoples of the earth, were peoples of the earth as well, by the way. So that all the peoples of the earth may know, not think, not ponder, but know, has this idea that you may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Listen, today, as we leave, you need to know this. The hand of the Lord is mighty. And the empty tomb restates it. The hand of the Lord is mighty. Mighty to save. Mighty to redeem. So why do the details matter? Because they tell us something that we all need to know. We need to know something, friends, and we need to know that God is mighty. We need to know that God is awesome. Dry feet. Dry feet points to the fact that God is mighty. Tenth day, first month, points to the fact that God is mighty. Twelve Jordan stones points to the fact that God is mighty. Until they stepped up points to the fact that God is mighty. And I have a question for you and I today. In all reality, and I mean seriously, I'm talking about in the details, not in the general. Is God mighty in your life? Do you really have a view of life that God is mighty? Because if you do, a mighty God view shows in the details of your life, not just in the generalities. You see, the details of scripture and redemption matter. What am I talking about? The heavens and the earth are created by God matters. By the way, I believe that it is a literal seven-day creation because I think it matters. Adam and Eve, God creates a man and a woman, puts them in union together with a man and... It matters. God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want more of you, Adam and Eve. It's not just about you. It's not just about each of you. It's not just about a small number of you. I want more. I want you to fill this whole blasted earth with people that are for my glory. It matters. 
Adam and Eve break their covenant with God and they sin. And oh my, does that matter? Genesis chapter 3. God in all of that promises that one will be coming who will be bringing a wipeout blow on Satan. Ah, Easter. It is finished. Wipeout blow. God promises Noah a rainbow as a reminder. It matters. God makes a covenant with Abraham. And then comes Isaac. It matters. And then Jacob and Joseph, slaves in Egypt for 400 years. It matters. And then the plagues come along, 10 of them. And then the Exodus event happens. And then they enter the promised land. It matters. God takes David from the sheep pens, the Psalms says, from the sheep pens to leading God's people Israel. Listen, friends, the details matter. The Old Testament prophets, they call God's people to return, to repent to the Lord. Then 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, It matters. And then John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh my, the details matter. John is put on the earth, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God. It matters. Jesus says, come follow me to the disciples. I will make you fishers of men. Cleansing the temple, the woman at the well, the feeding of the 5,000, it all matters. The walking on the water. The woman caught in adultery. Nicodemus, you must be born again. It matters. The blind man. To the religious leaders, you brood of vipers. Whoa. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth. Washing the feet. A new commandment I give you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. and No one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, the details matter. One is coming after me. The high priestly prayer. Peter's denial. Standing before Pilate, a crown of thorns, beaten to a pulp. Believe me, friends, it matters. Mocked. Then the Via Dolorosa. Golgotha. Pierced. And hung on a cross like a piece of meat. Today, you will be with me in paradise. To the guy on the cross next to him, 
the details mattered. It is finished. (laughs) The Roman soldier, truly this man was the son of God. Placed in a tomb. Three days. Not one. Not two. Not five. Three. It matters. Mary Magdalene, in the morning. (laughs) Then Jesus Woman, why are you weeping? Mary, it is I. Oh, the details mattered to her. The tomb is empty. And he is risen. And it matters. The road to Emmaus. Thomas. Unless I see, I will not believe. Jesus. Thomas. Come and see and believe. Thomas, my Lord and my God, it matters. Go, make disciples of all nations. The ascension taken up at the right hand of the Father, not the left, the right. It matters. He's coming back in glory and splendor and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It matters. Friends, the details matter. And we tend to live in generalities. God's all about the specifics. Verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Do you know that? Do you know that? I mean, do you know that to the place where it just stuns you and overwhelms you? Or do you just go on doing your life, doing your life, doing your life? It matters. Hey, Easter is a serious time of the year. Do you know? In fact, look at the rest of the text because two responses ultimately come out of this. Uh, uh, The response ultimately is that you may fear the Lord your God forever. But out of that, there's two ways that that happens from the text. Uh, Leading to the fact that knowing something requires a response. Knowledge demands a response. Knowledge unresponded to is there is no knowledge. Knowledge demands a response. Fear the Lord. Uh, What does fear the Lord look like? Response number one to that is graced and going. Graced and going. In this, it's the idea, the context that comes out of this. The Israelites, they saw this whole thing taking place, and they're standing back, and they're looking at this, and they're going, Unbelievable! That's our God! I mean, they're like, Woo! That's my daddy! You know, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. Look at that. That's what's going on. Do you see that kind of response? And yet they're not playing with God like, God, you're my toy. God, you're my little puppy that follows behind me doing what I ask you to do. No, 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 no. What God's people who are in relationship with him do is go, you're kidding me. You've just blown my mind. Unbelievable. I am graced. I don't even deserve to be your child. 
I am so blessed. But listen, friends, that graced reality doesn't mean sit back. They did not cross the Jordan to build condos and kick it out. They crossed the Jordan, are entering into the promised land, and the promised land is going to become ascending base place. That's going to be the place where they're to be going from. And the detail matters. You may be graced in salvation, but today I ask the question, are you going? Are you follower of Christ, redeemed one in Christ? Are you living out for the Lord in the specifics and in the details of your life? Or is it just all generalities? Because do know this, our Lord lives in the details Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's pretty detailed. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the four soils. And in it, we hear the word, we accept it, and bear fruit. So my question is, is, are you bearing fruit? Are you? Because how do I know if I really view God as mighty? I know God is mighty when mighty work for him is being lived out of my life. Otherwise, to tell you the truth, he's not really that mighty. He's just a nice general principle, but not big enough to change our life paradigm. Philippians chapter 3, it needs to be like this. Paul says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know Christ. Hey, that's details. That's getting at the details. That's prioritizing and ordering life, falling out of a mighty view of God. And I want to press home today, and I do, friends, I want to press home hard today. If you are a redeemed one in Jesus Christ, I have a question for you. Are you living it out in the details of your life? Jesus did not half come in the flesh to half die on the cross, to half rise from the dead so that you or I could half live for him. No, no, no. He fully came and fully died and fully rose from the dead so that you and I would live fully for him. The difference is in the details. Second response. Let's wrap it up here. Chapter 5, verse 1. As soon as all the king of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, these are all the kings in the promised land, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel. In other words, they came to know a piece of information. They had crossed, that they had crossed over. Look what their response was. Their hearts melted. And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. These two terms, their hearts melted. It's this idea of I've come to know that the hand of the Yahweh is mighty and I'm doomed. 
I'm in trouble. Oh, my word, that is God. And I'm in trouble. The second statement, no longer any spirit in them. It's this idea of I've come to know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and I'm hopeless. I can't change my condition on my own. I'm stuck. These are people who are afraid and stuck. Reminds me of Rahab when we studied out of Joshua 2. Rahab living in Jericho, and there she is in Jericho, and she's like, I'm doomed. I'm in big trouble because I know that the Lord, and we all know that the Lord is on his way, and he's going to be taking us out, and judgment's coming on us. And so what do they do? All but Rahab. Rahab cries mercy. Help a prostitute. Understanding what God is about to do, and she cries mercy. Bless her heart. And she declares treason on herself and her condition. And I ask you, have you declared treason on yourself? And on the condition that we talked about and we heard read about that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all, all the details matter. Not just the bad people, but all. Because we're all sinners. We're all bad people before holy God. And yet the hope out of it is, is that God has provided one who has come that has crushed our doomed position and made salvation available. That's what the cross, that's what Easter is all about. Rahab not only had the information, she knew the details and she responded in detail. Hey, growing up in a Christian country does not make you a Christian. Growing up in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Believing in God does not make you a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that even the demons know who he is and they shudder. I read the Bible. That's fantastic. But are you redeemed? I think I'm in relationship with the Lord. Listen, friends, I love you enough to say, you really, you want to gamble on thinking and hoping and maybe? When the Bible says that you can know for sure that you can have eternal life. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God. And this is not general knowledge believing. This is as the Bible talks about as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, salvation comes out of the details. And far too many people. I am concerned for, and so was Jesus. In Matthew 5 through 7, he talked about, many will call me Lord, and yet I'm going to respond, I never knew you. Why? Because the many who called him Lord stayed in generalities and never jumped into the specifics of in relationship with him. And I want to push all of us, every one of us today, including me. I want to push all of us out of living in generalities. God is good. Yes, he is. But so what? Jesus died on the cross. Yes, he did. But so what? Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, he did. But so what? You see, the key is in knowing and understanding and responding in detail. That's what Easter is about.
Easter is about the details of God coming and dying and paying the price so that you and I might have the opportunity to have relationship with him forever and live it out in the details of all of life. Lord, I want to thank you for this time. Lord, as we wrap things up here, I just want all of us to be thinking through this question. Two questions. For the follower of Christ, know this. We do not walk with God in general. We walk with God in the specifics. And I want to challenge you right now, follower of Christ, redeemed one in Christ. Are you living in generality or specifics? And if not, it's time to get after the specifics. And for the person this morning who is kind of like, you know, I'm just not sure what all this means. I'm not sure where all this goes. I'm not sure all what to do with this. I honestly, I don't even know where I'm at with the Lord. I would just say this statement. We don't believe in the general. We believe in the details. This isn't just about God. This is about the details of what God has done and how I am to respond to the details of what God has done and respond in detail. Has there been a time in your life where you've come to the place and knowing what God has done, you've responded in receiving him as your savior. I'm not talking about just believing in him. I'm talking about driving the stake in the ground. And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Think through the details. Because it matters. Lord, you are king of all. And it is finished. And you have risen from the dead. And you are coming back. And one day we will all stand before you and give an account. And for those in relationship, wow. What a magnificent day that's going to be. Redeemed in Christ. For those not, Lord, I, uh, I would pray they would really think through the details. Because this is not just a story. This is reality. You've risen from the dead. And that detail changes everything. In Christ's name we pray.